pretty much every time I think about this I just go right into the whole show with you guys and I forget to start the podcast so in any event like I said <laughs> let me start this again welcome to Ask Arena Live this is my weekly show that I do every week at 11 p.m. I come and let my hair down it's my sanity. It's where I get to talk to you about like pop culture and parenthood and geeky stuff like tech. Um, we run the gamut here. So that's a little bit about this show, a little bit about me. I'm Janine Truitt. I am the Chief Innovations Officer for Talent Think Innovations LLC based here in New York. And my firm is a business strategy firm where I focus on workforce planning, tech advisory, and digital marketing, just to name a few things. So if you're ever interested in more of what I do, you can follow me at www.talentthinkinnovations.com. Hey, Chimay. Girl, I just had to get through my spiel. Hey, Chimay. <laughs> my girl's on, which is pretty damn cool. So, yeah, guys, it's Hot Topics Thursday, and there is some foolery going on in the news. And I just want to hop into it because I need people to talk to me about these things. So let's do it. So the first um, hot topic I want to discuss is about that motivational speaker, Tony Robbins. So let me just start off with my disclaimer that I'm not, I've never just been, I've never been enamored with him. And I'm not sure why. And and there probably isn't like a real good reason why I haven't been enamored with him. I think when it comes to motivation and uh, just inspiration, I think it's a very subjective thing. And I think people just resonate with who they resonate with, you know, or whatever. Or you people resonate with you in the way that they do. And so just for me, I don't know. He's just a little too cookie cutter motivational for me. But the man sells out stadiums and has workshops and people love him. And so that's his deal. Um, and, and that fact, I think he's up under like Oprah's umbrella. Like she's like one of those people, you know, how your Oprah like stamped approved. I think he's one of those people that um, Oprah loves. So there's that. Hey, Jazzy, HR Jazzy. Um, so what he did, he had a talk. It was on March 15th and during his talk, he fixed his mouth to say the following. Let me read for you. So he says, if you use the Me Too movement to try to get significance and certainty by attacking and destroying someone else, all you've done is basically use a drug called significance to make yourself feel good. He talked about a powerful friend of his thereafter um, who was in a position to be interviewing three people. And he went on to talk about how the person was really stressed out. Uh, and the reason why they were stressed out is because one of the people that he interviewed was a woman and she was an attractive woman. And even though she was the best qualified for whatever the position was that he was hiring for, he did not offer her the job because he felt she was too risky because she was attractive. So let me give you some context around what I just read to you. This is a workshop. This is Tony Robbins, who is supposed to be, we are the people, we are the earth. Um, everybody's equal. We love everybody. Everybody should thrive. And what goes on, and I implore you to go watch the video. It's on now this. 
there is a woman who basically steps up after he said what he said she was a victim of uh, sexual assault i believe and she just basically alerts him to the fact that he's being that he is damaging his platform in a sense uh, by what he's saying and he doesn't get it so like she's triggered by the things he's saying and he's a really big guy i don't know if you've ever seen tony robbins but he's a really big guy and so he's like almost like pushing against her in an aggressive manner and having this whole moment about how more or less me too is bogus or that there are people that are using me too to make themselves significant is his spiel so this is like super super damaging for him i mean because again he is a proclaimed life coach um who sings the whole woo woo nonsense of we are the world and you know treating other with others with kindness and empathy and all these kinds of things and so for him to do this in a public forum was fascinating and even more fascinating that he decides to share this story of this man this friend right yeah this man this friend who is talking about how attractiveness is risky so I'm just going to insert this in this. Yesterday, there was like a great discussion um, among my HR tribe members about Me Too and just this whole nonsense of how men are feeling like they don't know what to do, you know, in this this present day Me Too Time's Up era, um, how they're feeling lost as to what their place is in society. And so I would implore you if you go to my um, if you go to my profile on Twitter at Sarina of HR, you can see a lot of the tweets in the thread. I thought it was really good, um, but it really if you read it, it really speaks to this exact thing, which is, you know, so many men just still don't get it. Even men like him who, you know, are influential or quote unquote influential and you know, this whole idea that now attractiveness is a risk. Like first being black was a risk, right? Being Latino was a risk. Being part of the LGBTQ community is a risk. Um, you know, being Muslim is a risk. And now we, we're in a space where we're going to have the discussion or there is discussions. It's really not that difficult. It really isn't. So now we're having discussions about how attractiveness is a risk. I'm sorry. I'm so confused. It really is so, so simple. It's not rocket science. It's be a gentleman. And I don't even know what that means in 2018. Like I'm searching for a definition. But if all you can hang your hat on as a man is, you know, how much prowess you have in the realm of trying to woo a woman or being overtly disgusting, gross, lewd in your comments, like you might want to redefine what manhood is for you. I don't know. Um, so in Tony Robbins' situation, of course he issued an apology. Of course he did. And again, you know, forgive me for being somewhat cynical about some of this stuff, but I am becoming increasingly numb to people who just like say bullshit. And I get, I get it. We're all humans, we all make mistakes. You know, sometimes things come out. We all have biases. So I'm I'm trying to walk a fine line here. But there's a point at which like an apology just 
isn't enough. It just isn't enough. And sometimes I feel, or at least I've observed, is that these teams, these people think they're invincible, they can't be touched, and it's not until they recognize that their dollars and cents are going to be affected that they're like, ooh, I better come through with an apology. So here's the apology. Um, I apologize for expressing anything other than my profound admiration for the Me Too movement. I teach that life happens for you, not to you. And what I've realized is that I've dedicated my life to working with victims of abuse all over the world. I need to get connected to the brave women of Me Too. Now, guys, again, forgive me. He may be well genuine in what he's saying, but I'm really like, First of all, you need to get connected to the what right. It, it deserves all the eye rolls. Like, you need to get connected to the brave woman and the Me Too. Why? No, you need to get connected to them because your brand looks like trash now that we know that you're a chauvinist. That's why you need to get connected to them. For no other reason, because otherwise you would have done that way long ago. Especially being in Oprah's camp, like... You would have done that already. Um, notice that you have to notice the composition of these these art these um apologies. Like I pay attention to that. Like some people are just like, oh well, he apologized, and so it's great. No, I pay attention to the composition of the apology. So notice how like he first takes accountability for what it is he does. It's typical. There's a script. So he takes accountability somewhat. And then he goes into the work he's done, you know, like all the good things he's done, right? Is this broadcast hollow shaking? Oh, do tell me if it is. I don't want anybody to get vertigo watching me. I mean, I know I do a lot of stuff with my hands. It's a New York thing. It's a Northeast thing. So that might be the problem. <laughs> You could tell me if I'm just too much of a hand talker. It's just, it's a New York up Northeast thing. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, he takes accountability for what he did. And then it goes to all the good that he did. Um, Chime, is it shaking for you? Really? Is it better now? I don't know if it's Periscope because I see everything's fine. Like a horror movie. That's not cool. I hope it's not like that on replay. Sorry guys. I think it's a Periscope thing because everything is stationary for me. Um. See, so yes accountability all the good work he did and then he basically goes into this whole thing of connecting himself to the me too movement so i didn't write down the verbatim thing that tarana burke wrote him but she wasn't kind she basically just said that you know everything he did and what he said was a really damaging moment for him it might be 
it might be i should have burnt some sage in here before i did all of this like i really should have burnt and i was almost gonna burn some incense that probably would have been appropriate but you know so anyhow yes <laughs> open the window um so yeah tarana burke was having none of it she wasn't here for the shits and she basically just said look it's it's a really bad moment for you um and you know that he basically tried to detract from the movement and you know there's some searching soul searching that he needs to do there so touche to tarana burke for just saying it as it is because i think so many times when and I'm, I'm making this a racial thing, although I know this isn't a racial thing, but I think so many times when a white person or a white male does something that is damaging or not the best or not, you know, socially acceptable, I think as black people, we, once the apology comes, we try to give them the pass go. We're like, oh, but he apologized, you know, and we get soft on them. We get soft on them in a way that like we wouldn't be soft on our own people. And so I'm just glad to see that Tarana wasn't, you know, super conciliatory, that she was mostly like, look, it's a bad moment for you, bruh. And I know what I was trying to do with my movement. You try to detract from it and I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm so here for the intellectual savagery. So that's the story on Tony Robbins. Like I said, I think hearing about it is one thing. Go watch the video. It's on Now This, just like Google. Um, Tony Robbins, Now This, um, Me Too like just as your um your keywords and it should come up so enough on that so the next story a little bit away from celebrities but i think it warrants a discussion so there was this whole thing going around at least about two weeks ago for me on my timelines about how 40 percent of whites believe that if black people simply worked harder they would be either equal to white people or better off. So here's the background. This organization named YouGov um, basically did this whole survey and it, it's called, it, this, the theme of the survey was racial resentment. I don't really still understand all of what that means exactly, but I guess it means that they fashioned the questions in such a way that it was to extrapolate or pull from um, you know, the level of racial resentment that maybe white people feel towards people of color or namely in this case, black people. So they polled white Americans and essentially what they found is that 40% of white people felt that if black people just simply worked harder, we'd be equal to them. We'd have more things. We'd be better off in life. Got to break down the numbers a little bit more. So not surprisingly, 59% of Republicans um, agreed with that statement. 22% of Democrats agreed with that statement. 66% of Trump voters agreed with that statement. And not so surprisingly, 14% of Hillary voters um, agreed with this sentiment. So let me preface this by saying that like I share those numbers um, because they're fairly significant to me. Right. 
So typically in data, like when I've dealt with data and, and dealt with how people um, relate to data, numbers like 14% of Hillary voters, people would say, oh, well, that's not a lot of people. The majority of Hillary voters don't believe that black people need to work harder. That's a good thing. And that's one way of looking at it. But I digress. Then you have like 22% of Democrats that agree with that statement. And you say, oh, well, it's 22%. So that means like, you know, just around 79, 78% don't believe that. That's a good thing. And that is true. That That is something that the data suggests. Except I look at it differently, guys. So I see that 14% of Hillary voters at all felt this way, right? So while it's not substantial, it's not in the 75th percentile or higher, still, 14% of Hillary voters agree with that statement that black people need to work harder. 22% of Democrats, and this is again, white American Democrats agree with that statement. So you know what that narrative tells me? That narrative tells me that it, it, it isn't so much about party lines, that it isn't, um, you know, so much about whether you're liberal or conservative, there is an underlying understanding sentiment among white people that black people are lazy and we're just not working hard enough to get where they get. That's what that those numbers tell me. So yes, you could look at them separately and say, okay, well, the majority of people didn't feel that way. So, and, and, and in some cases, people would throw those numbers away. I think numbers matter. I don't feel like we should throw numbers away. I think they tell a story. And in this case, if we talk about like Democrats, for instance, and this is not to get into a uber political conversation, but we talk about Democrats and how Democrats are supposed to have black people or people of colors back, then I would expect that no white Americans in that party would vote that they believe that. I, I just wouldn't expect that. Yet we have 22%. Right. Um, I certainly wouldn't think that of a Hillary voter, particularly when outwardly they try to come off as, you know, we care about you, black people. We're here to help. We see your plight. I just wouldn't think 14 percent at all would feel this way, but they do. Right. And then, you know, it goes about saying when you start looking at Republicans and Trump voters and whatever, but on the whole, it's a, it's 40%, which is more than enough that believe this, which is fascinating to me because to be quite frank, in most of my travels career-wise, professionally, I don't know that white people work all that hard. Shocking. Now, I'm not saying that some of y'all ain't hardworking because you are, and I know a few but I don't think that 40% of y'all should be throwing shots like that about how we need to work harder when you don't. You just have the privilege that you created, but y'all ain't that hardworking, let me tell you. Matter of fact, some of y'all are lazy as fuck, for real. And you are just skating, skating by the skin of your teeth with a shitty body of work. Yeah, I said it, skating. 
like you could not hold a candle to most people of color that I know in terms of work ethic. So no, we not finna work harder. Mm-mm. Nope, we not doing that. Um, and if we do work harder, we're working harder because that's what we need to do for us. Or what we want to do for us, but... We're not working harder because 40% of y'all think that we're lazy. Like, that's an old narrative. It's an old story. Move on. Come up with something better. Um, because y'all know what it is. Really, really. Y'all lazy. It's y'all. It's y'all. It ain't us. Trust. And I know that that just rubs so many the wrong way. And I'm sorry if you feel off put by that. But you have to own it. Yes, there are lazy people of every kind, creed, color, religion, etc. This is a fact. But when you have a poll like this come out, whereby you're, the message in a sense, I mean, you're just reporting numbers, yes, but the fact that we're reporting it is simply to suggest that there is still a narrative out there about black people just not doing enough. And that's why they're in such dire straits which separate day, separate topic, because even that is a bit of propaganda, but okay, right? Um, but I just, I had to share this story only because it fascinates me. And hand over fist, it's the topic of conversations among myself and my other friends. It is my own observation that it is not true that white people are just, extreme hard workers and that's why they are where they are it just isn't true <laughs> and i would bet you that any person of color you ask as to whether that's true based on their experience we're not talking about generalizations because nobody's trying to generalize but just based on their experiences and if they answered honestly they're not going to tell you that across the board they found white people to be the hardest working individuals humans on this planet they're not, okay? And this is also coming from a people, right? This is coming from a people who brought slaves here, not to go there, but I'm just saying, brought slaves here to do onerous work day in and day out in hot heat under the worst conditions. Why? Okay? When you wanna skin your face up at the things I just said, Ask yourself why brought another people here to do work that they could have done if they're if it's true that they're the hardest workers. Okay, if it's true and continue to do so through nannies and wet nurses and you name it, they got it if they've got money. I'm not talking about y'all white folks that are regular schmegular. I'm talking about those of y'all that have a little money, little ends to to get help right? You're not doing that on your own like most of the average Black and Latina and Asian women I know. You're not. So yeah, that poll is interesting. I just felt the need to say something because someday I'm going to write a book, a memoir, or something about all the half-acidness. And I know that's not even a word, but I'm just making it up. All the half-acidness that I see out here in these streets with white people, okay? One day I will write the book. I ain't gonna name names. I'm not dropping names, but it's a lot of half-ass 
ness going on out here. And there's that. So moving on to the... <laughs> I just look. I just be making up my own words, guys. It makes life better, more lively. And, you know, as we are going these days with all this text language and all the rest of it, I might as well just go for mine because the English language is doomed for failure. So what better time to be alive than now when you are a person who just makes up words for the sake of making up words? Half-assedness. There you go. So the last story, you know we got to talk about Kanye. We got to talk about Kanye. I have to talk about Kanye. Not... You have to... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, I think I think that should be a prerequisite. Yes, you have to have an ass to even use it. Um, we got to talk about Kanye, guys. Not because I, I necessarily need to jump on the bandwagon or give him any more play, but it warrants some debunking and pulling apart because it 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 isn't straightforward although in some regards it is and it's it's also fascinating like I'm looking I'm looking at it from a psychological perspective being a person with a degree in psychology and there's some things going on here I don't understand them all but perhaps we can come to some conclusions together I don't know so unless you've been under a rock you know that Kanye, well, Kanye has been on a tweeting spree for some time now. If you watch his timeline, it's pretty erratic. It's where he's he's tweeting like, I don't know, 20 plus times a day. Or, or I think even more than that. I think on one day he, he somehow churned out like 80 tweets or something. This is exorbitant. I like Twitter. But I don't think I've ever quite done that. Unless on a Twitter chat. But... He's been on this Twitter frenzy, so this is nothing new. Um, but yesterday he, you know, put something out talking about how the mob can't make him not love um, the orange one. And how, you know, they, they're, they have dragon energy and he doesn't, he may not agree with all of what he does, but there's nothing that the mob can do to prevent him from loving him. So this is... So here's a few things, right? The first thing is this is not out of character for Kanye. Kanye's pretty much known for going against the grain. Um, some will view him as a free thinker, you know, if you will. Um, he's just always been a little off-center, right? And when I say off-center, I mean that he is not in the bell curve in terms of average levels of thinking you know the the, the collective societal way of thinking he is well off the bell curve to the extreme of things and, and so he takes a lot of flack for the things that he says now here's the thing i'm no big kanye fan i i appreciate his his craft I think he's good at what he does. I think he's had some great songs, put out some great albums. I think he's a great producer and all that other jazz. But his cockiness is not really my 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 taste, right? I, I, I don't love it. Um, although, you know, I guess it helps him in some 
regard. Like it's his shtick. What fascinated me is the sheer amount of people, kids actually, I have to say 20 somethings mostly, um, who were devastated, devastated by his commentary. So much so that they just couldn't believe he said it and oh my God. And, and, and so like, I get it because, you know, nobody's really loving the orange one right now. Like not even the people that voted for him are really all that in love with him. He's more than most people bargain for. So duly noted, but it's like this devastation over what Kanye tweeted is something I just, I've never been able to get. So I, I totally understand that people have heroes and people they look up to and people they idolize even. I have just never really been one of those people that was like a super stan for a celebrity. So there's celebrities I like, there's celebrities that I admire and would certainly, I guess, at certain points in my life, emulate some of their qualities if it made sense for me, but that was never really where I was drawing my inspiration. And I also, and my mom, so my, my parents were always also of this whole, you know, mindset that like, these people are human beings. And I mean, this is going way back. Um, you know, it was understood. It was a discussion at the dinner table that like celebrities are human beings. They are fallible and they're not God. And, you know, if you're going to idolize them, then you need to do it with that lens in mind, not with this lens of their omniscient, all good, altruistic. It, it just isn't that. Um, and so, you know, I think time and time again, we run into this issue of, and I've had this discussion with friends of mine about, you know, what that line looks like in terms of appreciating the human versus the art. And it's a sticky thing, right? And I mean, it's a sticky thing even as we sit here today and we think about um, the verdict for Bill Cosby, right? So, you know, he just got convicted, you know, three counts, I think it was what, of sexual assault or something like that. Don't quote me on it. But in any event, another situation in which the the art and the body of work of the individual is one that is greatly admired um you know and and serves as an example for our community you know and not just our community as black people but people in general you know like people took an example from the character that was cliff huxtable which is what bill cosby played for years the same is true of kanye there is an art, there's a body of work there. Cockiness aside, human flaws aside, there's a body of work. And so, you know, I think people struggle with, you know, can I love Kanye's art and his work and just throw the whole human away also because he's a trash human for even aligning with somebody like O Orange One. Um, you know, and, and the same is true of Bill Cosby. It's like, can I still watch the Cosby show? Can I still love everything he embodied, even though, you know, he did this thing to like 62 women or something crazy like that, I think is what I read today. So, you know, it's, it's difficult 
it's it's really difficult but it's it's a discussion that warrants some exploration i don't know that i have all the answers right <clears throat> the same is true with um r kelly for instance i i'm not even gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you i don't like r kelly's music i do i grew up in that bump and grind era and he was the king of bump and grind but a whole nother part of my soul is agitated with him because he's a damn pedophile you know so it's like well damn i, I want to play half on a baby but then part of my mind is like who he talking about is he talking about a grown woman or a child because we know he like children so it it's really difficult and i think you know i think the other thing too is when you look at many of you know the inspirational figures or the figures that stood out in history if you really study them carefully they all messy they're all messy from the intellectuals to the historians to the entertainers um you know sports personalities i mean run the gamut run script just over your own lifetime in terms of you know which notable figures don't have some mess to them they just do and if you don't know it it's just because they're better at hiding it and sitting on that but it just i just think that there is a fine line between genius and what we call crazy and so you know kanye's being talked about as having lost his ever loving mind something's going on something's going on in fact i know this is so conspiracy theorist but i'm just gonna put it out there really it's almost as if he's been lobotomized or gone through some sort of profound otherworldly experience and so now he's just because if you watch the cadence of his tweets it's vigorous and it's a lot of different topics and it's really heavy topics and it's not like and the thing is is if you separate the tweets aside from what he said about how he feels about trump there's not a lot that he said that wasn't exactly on point as insofar as like love and how we should treat each other so it brings me to another point that aside from the whole like not idolizing people sometimes and one of the things i think we fail and suck at in our society is not being able to recognize the message and separating that from the messenger so sometimes the messenger is piss poor trash even right but sometimes they've got a message or they've got a lesson and i think part of what separates some of us from others is the ability to see the mess that is the human which is always fallible you know not to get too religious or spiritual on you but sometimes we get so caught up in the humanity that we're not paying attention to the lesson there's a lesson in this with kanye like all jokes aside all the memes aside all of the you know jokes on him or whatever sunk in place all that there's a lesson in kanye correct and so you know again for me going back looking at a lot of his tweets they weren't off do we need more love 
in general and be guided by that absolutely so wherever he's drawing that from i don't know where he's getting it from he's on point with that the whole business of how many of us are you know controlled by what society wants us to think um and and that we're not free thinkers most of us i don't think i disagree i i would ask where the where's the lie that is absolutely true i think he he just he took a big dive when he aligned himself with the orange one and you know it's like okay but he had already done that he already took the meeting way in the beginning and not for nothing he's married to a woman who is whose family is registered republicans like lest we forget so he gotta play his part um you know I don't know. I think there's a lesson for him down the line as to how this shapes up for him in his career. Um, you know, I call it like I see it. Um, yeah, there, there's a lesson for him down the line for certain because I don't think he can appreciate the, the, the maniacalness of this man, um, this thing. I don't even call him a man, thing. So, you know, he'll find out in due time as they all have that he ain't for them or whatever. And maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe there's just a real strong bromance between these two. Um, you know, maybe. I can't love him. But, you know, at the same token, I also have been saying of late that I totally see God willing on his life. And I'm not wishing anybody death. But I feel like years later... This orange one we have for a president is going to just come out well after this presidency and say, gotcha. Um, not only am I not Republican, I'm not really all that down with the Democrats, although, you know, that's my thing. But I really never meant any of those things. I just did it to upgrade my business interests and put my family in a certain position. Like, I legitimately think that this is going to be some hijink shit at the end of the day where he's just like, look, y'all got manipulated. I just used what I had. And racism was the best thing that I could latch on to. So here we are. Got what I needed. Thanks, America. Um, You know, and... And maybe some of these people know that. It doesn't make me happy. doesn't make me like him. It doesn't make me want to stand for him. But this is the state of affairs we're dealing with. And so my PSA is just, you know, stop idolizing these celebrities. Like, really stop it. You know, like, stop it immediately. You know, just the whole, even just last weekend, I get that Beyonce put on a hell of a show. But like, damn, y'all could idolize somebody? I'm sure someday she's like, yo, these people are really real for it. Like, y'all idolize these people too much. And the reality is, is many of y'all preach, you know, being religious or, you know, Christian, whatever your, your thing is. And you don't get that, like, you're not supposed to even be idolizing human beings human beings are always fallible you can admire somebody you can admire their aesthetic what they bring to the table who they are how they present in the world but ultimately they're subject to disappoint you in that very same moment that you're admiring them like that's the nature of how this goes and so you know this kind of like this this grave um emotional 
disappointment that people are having when a celebrity does something other than what you expect them to do, that's on you. That's It's on you. It's not on Kanye. It's not on Bill Cosby. It's not on any of these people other than you. And you need to evaluate, I think, you know, why you feel the need to attach so much emotion to another person other than yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I call it haughty or whatever. I just have never placed that much stock in anybody else. In fact, I'm mostly unimpressed with most human beings. I just am. The ones that you see me with, hugged up with, talking about on social media or otherwise are people that I'm uber, uber impressed with. And not that they need to have my stamp of approval. It just is I'm just not that impressed with people generally. And so my hero is me. My hero is my mother, my father, people in my family who I've I've observed over time in all of their greatness and and not so perfectness at other times. And still they're just things about them 95 to 99% of the time that I just adore and think is great. That's it. They're regular people. I don't get this whole fanatical thing with celebrities at all. Like at all but I, I'm open to understanding like if you're one of those people and that is your thing you know like just uh, let me know like how that happens and, and I guess part of what I do understand too is that for some people there's an absence of a role model or an absence of a person they can latch on to that makes sense for them so please don't take me wrong with what I'm saying because I do understand that aspect of it that not everybody's as fortunate as I am right so in some regard I'm speaking from a place of privilege I had a mother who I could I you know I could latch on to a father other figures in the families I get that I'm not talking to people that feel that need but even in those situations you got to manage your expectations for whom you are idolizing or putting a lot of credence into so that's what I'll say on that. So, but I, I'm praying for Kanye. I, again, I'm not a huge fan. So this isn't a huge loss for me in terms of him losing his mind or whatever is going on with him. Um, but I, you know, I pray that he figures his way out or the lesson is one that he can handle, deal with, and isn't uber harsh on him. But beyond today, I'm like shrugs. It's, it's really not that serious for me. But it was a good story. So I figured we would, we would tackle it rather. So that's it, guys. That's all I've got for hot topics. Um, What else do I have going on? What do I have going on? So I start traveling as of next week. Um, Next week, I am at the Hugh Tech Summit in Philly. And I am on a panel for workforce planning so we're actually it's actually pretty cool we're doing like a speed coaching session uh, where people who have workforce planning and talent management questions are going to be able to kind of like do a rotation with each of us that are on the panel um, basically to get some advice uh, for their own startups or their own businesses or whatever so it should be awesome. It um, The Hugh Tech Summit, for those of you that don't know, is the first inaugural summit for women of color in tech. 
and it's happening in conjunction with Philly Tech Week. So it's a pretty cool thing for me to be, you know, the HR lady kind of bridging over into that lane. And I've got co-workers coming out from my last job and just bringing out all these hidden figures being that our, our whole thing and theme is no more hidden figures. So it should be awesome. I will be down there from Thursday. I think I will still be doing the show. Um, probably from Philly from my hotel room. So stay tuned for that. And then um, then I hit, yes, goodness boy. I only had to evaluate how many systems and talk about it enough before anybody thought I was capable of being in this lane. But I am thankful to have arrived. Not fully where I need to be or want to be, but I am thankful for the seat at the table to have these discussions because I am a nerd about tech. I love it. It's a passion. So yeah, that's where I will be. And if you are in the Northeast, if you're in the DMV area, if you're in Philly, the Delaware Valley, Pittsburgh, and you're in tech, please buy a ticket and come. Please, please, please. Um, www.hughtechsummit.com. It's also on most of my profiles, at least my one on Instagram, at Serena of HR, but definitely think about joining us. And um, I'll tell you more about what else is going on in May as we get later on. It's just quite a bit, but I, I'll be in Vegas for Unleash, which is uh, formerly HR Tech Europe. So I'll tell you guys more about that next week. And then I have a panel that I'm on at the end of May with my girlfriend, um, called Get Out of My Head in Brooklyn. And that will be on self-care and mental health and, you know, juggling the many balls that us women do, us professional women do. So I'll tell you more about all those events next week. But thank you so much for joining. Thank you for hanging out, Chimay. I know this is huge. It is almost 12. So thank you. I appreciate it. HR Jazzy, thank you. Justin, I saw you before. I hope I wasn't shaky the whole time. Thank you. I love you too, girl. Um, thank you, replay viewers. Y'all rock. Y'all have got my numbers like up and up and up. I mean, at a time, my sister was wondering if I should still be doing this thing. And this year, for whatever reason, numbers are super duper up. So thank you, replay viewers. Thank you, live viewers. And I will see you guys next week from Philly. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye.